Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I'm joined by a guy this week that I've been trying to get on the show for a little bit. He's the co-founder of Hemlock Homes out of Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, Brian Bursick, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. It's an honor. <laughs> well, dude, it's been uh, yeah, it's been a, a while coming. I've, I've run into you at several uh, events, and I love... I love what you've done with your home company, um, building, remodeling, but from the ground up, you haven't always done that, have you? Um, no. You started out in landscaping, and you've got a journey from being a landscaper um, yeah. to, to owning uh, a home company. So, man, let's jump right in, dude. Tell us a little bit about Brian. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, like you said, I, I started in landscaping, you know, uh, middle school, like seventh grade. I think in the, the summers with my dad. And Seventh. So I've only got two more years before I can put my child to work is what you're saying. Yeah, 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 <laughs> sure. But I credit a lot of that to my dad, you know, instilled a lot of the work ethic in me to kind of be where I'm at today. So I really credit him for that for sure. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I started off as a laborer and, you know, I dug ditches and, you know, just kind of sat back and watched how he maneuvers the business and, you know, learned how to talk to clients and, you know, be his best self. And I, I watched him grow 30% every year for 34 years. Um, you know, my natural existence of life. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's been a real blessing for that. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I got real, you know, I knew I was ceiling in the landscaping business because my dad's only 56 years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not retirement age. I knew I couldn't make any more than I was already making. And I ended up moving up the ranks to running half of the company um so i ran he handled the landscaping side i handled the grass cutting side and uh everything in it so you know it just became a time in 2013 i think i bought my first property to flip and i didn't know anything about it nothing you you go from landscaping to flipping what was it attracted you to flipping i've always loved construction so you know for me it's it's the same thing of it's high winds high losses. I like that. I like the energy of it. You could lose, you can win big or you can lose big. So like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, and I always was fascinated with, you know, the, the pride of taking something that's, you know, basically junk and turning it into something that's absolutely beautiful. Um, so I, I really always like that. And that's, what's always drawn me to construction. That's always why I like landscaping as well. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can turn this ugly house into something really beautiful and like have some pride in it. Um, but I knew the ceiling, there's no ceiling in, in real estate. So if I want to make a trillion dollars, it's possible. Like I just got to make, you know, roadmap the steps to get there. Um, in landscaping, you're absolutely ceiling at some point. Yeah, that's the, no doubt. The, the, the more, the more jobs you get, the harder it gets. Whereas in real estate, you can just kind of move up price brackets, you know? Um, so what was it initially attracted you to, uh, to, to the flipping business? Um, was it, was it just the, the money side of things or were you looking for a little independence from lawn mowing? Oh, I definitely needed independence. So I was still working with my dad, but I was doing this to kind of like, see if I 
show? Like, can I really do this? Like, you know, can I manage contractors? Can I, you know, can I manage, you know, uh, construction like this? And, and I did, and, and I was actually really good at formulating teams and subs and, and I was able to, you know, be, I was always really good at sales. So I've been real sales oriented my entire life. And so I was able to do the acquisition side of it as well on a very small level. And, you know, I basically just bought a house and bought another house and bought another house and bought another house and it seems easy. But then like, you know, as they showed on TV, I got my ass kicked every which way possible. I made like $37 total on my first flip. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it taught me a lot, which was we all know that's like tuition to the game. It is. Uh, it is, man. Yeah. And um, then, you know, the second house, I ended up making a hundred thousand dollars and I was like, Oh my God, never seen any money like this before. Totally, uh, totally hooked on that. Huh? Yeah. And then I got cocky and went down to the city of Pittsburgh and lost like $62,000. Will they have a uh, casino down there or what? Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, they definitely do. But I, mean, I didn't know I, that. That was sarcasm. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I made every bad mistake that you could possibly make flipping a house in an area that I was very unfamiliar of. Um, so that taught me a lot about my ego. It taught me a lot about, you know, the different sectors of Pittsburgh. It taught me a lot about, you know, how to, you know, you stay in your lane, find your niche and really roll with it. Um, because again, I just, you know, made, made some, my first big money and was like, Oh, I'll just go do this everywhere. This is real easy. I figured it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Didn't figure it out. So a painful lesson then, uh, when you went down to the city and lost a little money, tell us, yeah. let, let's, let's go a little bit more into that, um, cocky youth kind of thing, because I think that, you know, I've made a lot of money flipping real estate and I've lost money flipping real estate. And, you know, the, the losses, they, they always hurt more, but you always take something away from them. Uh, last single family home I lost money on was in 2005 and I lost $14,000. Um, and in 2005, that was about all I had to lose. It was a massive lesson. So I've never lost money on single family uh, uh, ever again. So what was your first loss like and how did you, uh, how did you figure that out? Well, I realized that, you know, I'm from the South. I'm from the south of Pittsburgh, so mm -hmm. I, I, I'm 20 minutes from the city, but it's a whole different world. Um, 20 minutes from the city is like you're getting pretty close into like farm country again. Um, no doubt. Know, yeah. And I went, you know, the subs are not the same. They're not the same human beings. They don't handle things. I, my subs would not go down there. So I had to find a whole new pool of subs which turned out horrific. And, you know, I found out I didn't know how to manage contractors as well. <laughs> I thought I knew how to manage contractors. Uh, and that really spiraled out of control. I'm and laughing because I, I feel your pain. I've done the exact same shit, yeah. dude. Like if yeah. only there was a course that taught people how to do it properly. <laughs> a, a real course, you mm -hmm. know, uh, I mean, a genuine one of, uh, you know, I've joined some other courses that touch base on it, but like mm -mm. there's, there's no course to like, you know, be oh hey you know this is these con this is how you deal with this contractor and this is how you deal with this and this is it's, no. it's all very broad <laughs> but it also taught me a very golden lesson that the contractors hold the cards i understood the power of being a contractor at that moment mm -hmm. um this was like 2014 late 2014 okay. and that like it's like the light bulb right there like i know the power of being a contractor now like you hold all the cards if you want to flip 100 houses a year your contractor has to take you there oh yeah yeah, you know, no doubt. So I really um, that that taught me a really really life changing lesson that I still bring up to this day all the time.
I mean, really, as a, as a house flipper, you're only as good as your crew. Because, right. you know, there's, there's a few of us, there's a few of us that were raised in it that can do the painting and do the carpentry and the drywall. And, you know, but that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is in and out, you know, yeah. get everything coordinated, get it moving. You know, you think you're going to come in and flip this house and save a bunch of money by doing the work yourself. And it's that's never the case. And, you know, it took me my first two or three houses to realize that contractors were really the key and having a good group of contractors um, was just purely essential to the process. Um, this last flip I'm, I'm, I've got on the market right now, it's when we went into a new market, new town, 45 minutes away, no reliable contractors, and it took three times as long as it should because we were burning through contractors trying to get the right guys uh, with the right quality of work, you know? Yep. So they yeah, it's, you know, and you're looking to get that price point of work that's not on a consumer level. So you're like, you're in that balance of, okay, I need to pay X, but I need quality Y. Mm -hmm. Trying to align those two things is not always the easiest. <laughs> no, no, I didn't realize we had all this in common. <laughs> so you, you flipped houses for yourself. And then in 2016, you became an acquisitions manager with a company that flipped houses um tell us a little more about that because i i really want to look into the business side of house flips and how you were able to uh, to scale that into one of the largest flipping companies in uh, in pittsburgh yes yeah, so i ended up I, I had a buddy of mine who i knew flipping through flipping houses i was maybe only doing i don't know five houses a year uh, mostly doing, like you said, doing it all myself and trying to figure it out and then slowly starting to sub out. Well, you know, I knew him and he was scaling pretty rapidly. And like, I mean, I'm not, I'm talking like at this point, maybe 15 houses a year, 20 houses a year, maybe. And that's a lot of, that's volume. a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, but at this point, whenever, so I seen a job posting that they put out on Facebook for an acquisitions manager. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm already doing that. You know, maybe this is my way to get fully out of landscaping. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, because I'm still doing flips on the side. I'm doing landscaping. So I'm working double jobs. This job could pay me, you know, a substantial, you know, six figure uh, income. I could quit landscaping and then learn how to run a big time flipping company while I'm there. So I ended up applying for the job and same as like Thomas Keenan and all them guys say, whenever we like, I had to go through the hiring process. I had to do a five minute video of myself telling them why I should be, you know, uh, get this job. I had to send in a giant resume. I had to do like five steps to even get into the second interview. Plenty, of, plenty of hoops there, huh? Oh yeah. There was, I think there was 130 applicants and only five of us followed all the roles, just like they said. Um, so yeah, I was one of the five and I came down to, you know, the final, I think it narrowed it down to three and they ended up deciding to go with me. Um, so I, you know, I had a conversation with my dad, like, Hey man, I've been here 13 years, but I got to put in my two weeks, you know, I'm going to go over <laughs> and do this. And he's wow. like, and he's like, Oh, uh, okay. Um, sure. So, you know, and two weeks came and I left and I, I went into a new position and, um, basically I've never done acquisitions for, you know, um, on a level like they wanted. So I was in charge of initial call. I was in charge of lead intake lead, you know, descriptions put into their CRM, mm -hmm. uh, setting the, setting the appointment, going on the appointment, um, getting the contract signed, follow up, 
then whenever the contract was signed, I did transactional coordination and then I got it all the way to close and mm -hmm. then I would get my commission. So, so what was the biggest, I mean, I was going to ask what the biggest change was between doing it for yourself and doing it for a company, but it seems apparent. Uh, well, they said, I mean, they, they told me I had to do, you know, within, I think it was 60 days I had to sign. Oh, I think it was 15 contracts. Oh, wow. That's moving, huh? Yeah. And were they, were they providing the leads and everything? You just followed up on the board. Yeah. Yeah. So it was mostly all inbound. So I hand, I also helped them with their marketing department. Um, I set up, you know, big campaigns with them and, and the, the owner was also in that division. So I worked closely with him uh, in regards to, you know, what our marketing was. We were doing everything, TV, newspaper, radio, direct mail, um, ringless voicemails, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, we were spending about 20 to 25,000 a month in marketing uh -huh. um, and we were buying, you know, somewhere between uh, at the end, I mean, they wanted to do a hundred houses a year flipping right. um, by the time I was leaving and um, their models changed since then. But um, I mean, I took them all the way, you know, they ended up winning an award for one of the top, um, top business um, growing businesses in Pittsburgh when I left and I was able to assist in that. Not definitely not all my doing, but I mean, the team really stepped up and I mean, they were able to grow from like a $3 million company to 10 in about a year. So so this is like move beyond just you know brian flipping a house by himself yeah um, i was an employee but it, it also taught me how to be a part of running a 10 million dollar company oh no doubt no doubt um man i'm trying to get back to advice you can give to somebody starting out flipping a house right now um we've already covered contractors is there something in that role that you took over at the company at Pittsburgh? Is there something at that role up there that you could share with the uh, the listeners that would make th them flipping their first house easier, be it on the contract side, on the negotiation side? What was it from that role that you took away? It, it, it's all sales. So, I mean, when you're in sales, you're the driving force of the business. I mean, the, the numbers come off of you. So, I mean, I went out, I did a, a home assessment. I, I dived into how much the repairs were going to be needed on the house, mm -hmm. got very detail oriented and what needed to be done, how much it was going to cost. Um, I had to turn in reports weekly of, you know, keeping track of my database on how much our cost per lead was. It made me understand KPIs. Um, I would say, you know, if you're starting out, just take action. But you, it's it's really sales oriented in the beginning because you're you're gonna when you're first starting out and you're spending some money on leads you're gonna have to be the one that closes it you're not yeah. gonna go to a sales guy. No, you can't do that. Um, and again, so, another mistake another mistake we've probably all made is paying for leads and asking somebody else to close them. You know, call the damn leads, man. That's it. That's it. So I mean. It really, but it also helped me, you know, when I was at this company, it helped me understand construction on a high level. So it made me become very good at construction because my job hindered upon me being accurate on my repairs needed on these houses. So let's say if I, I said this house needs 55,000 work and they end up putting 90 into it, mm -hmm. they're going to have a conversation with me. So oh, yeah. it's, it's you're in trouble. Oh yeah. It's either the contractor's fault or they added things to what the original scope was or I'm fired. So it's, it's one of the things where when your job hinders on it, you either become really good at it or you, you know, you're going to get left in the dust. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so do you, you ever miss one bad or, or did you get better I and missed, better progressively? I, I missed one and it's crazy because I bought 114 houses for them and I, 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 one loss and it was definitely my fault. And 
I, I heard it was, it was, uh, it was a substantial loss. I mean, it was above 30 grand. So, oh, I mean, wow. yeah, it was, it was, there was a conversation had there with me, but uh, that was your education right there. If Yeah. And it, I mean, they knew that my value was there. Like I've made, I've made enough money for the company to like, okay, like this is a mistake, but this is going to be the last mistake. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, you don't want, you don't want to come out to your boss and just tell him you're responsible for over 30 grand coming out of the, uh, coming out of the equation, do you? Yeah. All right. So moving on, you got experienced in the construction side of things. And then you decided that you realized that home building was a market to be taken advantage of. And that that's led us to where you are now. Um, tell us, a little bit about your your start in the home building world because it wasn't quite as uh, wasn't wasn't quite as uh, as easy as you thought, right? No, I, and it, I was just talking about it on Friday at our team meeting. I'm like, I remember back in the day when I was like, we just build ten houses a year, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs> not the case. <laughs> not the case. But I love um, it. I love it. It was so I started looking at okay, what area of real estate is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, so all the builders out in our area are, you know, in their late 60s and their early 70s, you know, they're they're in the latter part of their careers and they're all very, very, very successful at this point. And they all had their stories and, and things of that nature. And I'm like, well, there's no builder that's like the next builder. Like, who's going to be the next builders then? I don't know anybody. Right, right. So I'm like, okay, well, why don't we like look at this market? So I reached out to a buddy of mine who's an excavator and I'm like, Hey man, I'm thinking about this idea. Like, why don't we, you know, why don't we just, you know, start building houses? He's like, well, it's funny you say that my cousin is a project manager and he quit his job. He's going out on his own. I'm like, really? I'm like, well, let's have a conversation with him. So then we, you know, we meet at this restaurant in South park where we live and we all sit in the corner booth and for three and a half months, we wrote on napkins about what we're going to do and the, what house plans are we going to use and what lots can we find and went out, looked at a ton of lots and, you know, formulated the LLC and did all this stuff and ended up deciding on buying two lots. And, you know, we, we started out with two specs and, you know, it, it was, he kept telling me the whole time. He's like, bro, you've never seen nothing like uh, new construction. I'm like, why? He's like, cause it's organized. You can systemize it. You can scale it. I'm like, ah, it's construction. It's crazy. There's nothing organized about it. And, you know, when I started seeing this go and like, they got into framing and like these houses are framed in like eight days. I'm like, holy, I've never seen construction like this. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of the, uh, some of the big boys, man, they know what they're doing. They, they well, really that was do. the thing. So my partner is 10 years my age. He's older than me. So he drops a lot of wisdom on me, but he came from some of the biggest builders in Pittsburgh. So, you know, we were able to get a head start on that because he worked for companies that did 1400 houses a year. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, uh, he, he, he brought a ton of value to the table, a lot of the subs and things of that nature. So, you know, whenever things got rolling, I was like, oh my God, we're on to something here. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened with your first four houses then when you took out it says it says in your bio you took out some loans you finished some houses other only to realize there was no brand so yeah so I, I i had no money i mean i had money but like i didn't have enough to build four houses mm -hmm. and you know at first we only bought two lots so i i went to one of my private money guys from the flipping world and as we all know, private money can get expensive and yes, yes, sir, nobody, can. nobody wanted to lend me on dirt. Like everybody wants like their money back by a piece yeah. of real estate, which yeah. is like rightfully so. 
So, you know, nobody would give me money. Nobody would, even with my good track record. Um, so I ended up finding one of my longtime mentors and he gave us 560 or 580 to start. And that was, you know, lot purchase and construction. Um, again, we were paying 15% annualized money. Oof. So, yeah. Oof. yeah. Um, so yeah, for those of you that can't work that out and in your head, it's it's fifteen percent of what five hundred and eighty grand a month. So, what per year though? Yeah, so, it's one, it's like one point five percent per month. That that's oh, that's that's still stout. That's about seven and a half grand a month in carrying costs. Yep. Wow, <laughs> you've got to have some margin <laughs> to make that double. work. Yeah, and then we double. Wow, it. wow, yeah. wow. So, so maybe I, we just need to be private lenders, mate. Maybe we just need to lend other people money. I know. <laughs> So yeah, we got halfway about through building our houses in South Park. They're going along great. We're right on budget. I'm like, oh, things are just as great. You know, this couldn't be better. So I, we come across an opportunity north of us in Pittsburgh, right by our airport, which is a booming market right now. Mm -hmm. And there was about 10 lots available. So we purchased two more. So now my carrying costs are 1.15 million at 15% annualized every month wow yeah. 1.15 million uh times 0.15 damn <laughs> so you're paying fourteen thousand three hundred and seventy five dollars per month in every interest month. and that's just interest it's not paying yep. the note down that yep. <clears throat> well the way you're sitting in that chair makes you look comfortable but i i bet you got some really big balls down there mate that's a lot yeah to take i mean on. it was yes yeah, so i mean and we ended up doing it, you know, we got all the way to the end, we built them and then we had a hard time selling them. And I couldn't understand why I'm like, why are these not selling? They're beautiful. And everybody that came through them was like, these houses are gorgeous. But the first question they always asked was who's the builder. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, it's, you know, this Just some, some guys, that's it. And they're like, well, it's this company. And they're like, well, we've never heard of them. And they're like, well, that makes us nervous because what about the warranties? How long are they going to be in business? Are they going to be able to service us if something's wrong? Like, and I never thought of that. <laughs> and that, that was a, a huge, fair point. Yeah. That was a huge, huge moment for me when I was like, okay, branding is very, very, very important. Um, we ended up, I'll be very truthful on one of the houses that we built, we made $6,700 profit that's so you're a month away from making a loss yeah 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 and that's you know and you know we we sold all of them and we got all, i got all my money i got more money back from interest that i paid out than i didn't profit so <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've been there though i've been there you just got to pay the interest every month and then when when you sold a house you, you take it off the balance and it comes back i mean it's just that's part of the deal when you use hard money like we it gave us, but it gave us a couple of really good opportunities. So like when we bought them two lots in moon, I was able to strike a deal with the guy who bought the rest of the lots. I'm like, Hey man, I'm already building up here. Why don't you sell me? So he purchased the lots for 25,000. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll give you 65,000 every lot that I sell and I build. You just, you'll make 40,000 off the top on every single lot. Don't have to do nothing. Just let me build. So we did, and he agreed to it, and we ended up selling out the community. We, we're finishing out the community now, as we that's speak. That's awesome. Yeah, so it gave us a really good opportunity to do our like our little first mini development, and then uh, 
also gave us the opportunity to keep branding. And then we all, we rebranded the company into Hemlock Homes. And that's when I started to understand the power of the brand. So I'm like, okay, people are going to know who we are. Like, I'm going to force that down everyone's throat now. <laughs> so where did, where did the name come from? Tell me about the birth of Hemlock Homes. Yep. So the Hemlock is the Western state tree in Pennsylvania. And it's got a cool logo. It's got like a cool design. And that's kind of our logos, like the, the hemlock tree. Um, it represents, you know, the Western side of our state because, you know, in Pittsburgh, we have like this big thing between Philly and Pittsburgh. So like it's West Coast versus East Coast. So it's, you know, we want to always like represent our West side of the, of the state. Oh, well, there you go. I, d I did not know that. Okay. I, I'm geographically uh, challenged, especially when it comes to Northeast America. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> mate. I got Texas down. I've got most of Europe. I can pointed out on a map but when you say philadelphia I, I i don't think i could even find it on a map to be honest it's, it's, yeah. i'm gonna have to go look it up now because i want to know where why pittsburgh it's literally dead it's literally dead all the way across the other side of the state <laughs> i want to know why you guys fight <laughs> so all right tell us a little bit real quick about what hemlock holmes does now and uh, the future what you got planned over there? yeah so um in the last, I don't know, I think we started doing that. We formed them companies in 19. We branded Hemlock Homes in 19. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting into the latter part of 2021. Now we have 15 employees. Um, I have two project supervisors, um, office manager, office admin, seven in-house field guys, uh, a sales dude for new construction. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've gone from now we're only pre-sold builds. So we mm -hmm. only work with customers on pre-sold lots. So we're basically a GC. You come to us with your piece of land and we'll build you the house you want on it. Um, but for us, we're a little different because we're like one of the only turnkey builders yeah. in today. So we do everything. We service your permits all the way to landscaping. There's nothing you have to do. We do every single thing for you. And we mostly do custom homes now. Are, are you at least kicking the landscaping back to your dad? It, all of it <laughs> all of it yeah, I've, been, I've been dying to ask you that yeah all of it he gets all of it good good Be, only because like i want him to see like how far this thing's gonna go well good <laughs> i would definitely uh yeah i would i would I'm, I'm proud of you for that man you got to give it back to the old man you left him yeah. left well, him all those started. years ago what's that that's who started me exactly exactly <laughs> all right let's talk about you for a little bit uh brian um you know, the whole point of the Small Business Surgeon podcast, and, you know, we've heard a little bit of your story, how you came up through landscaping and <clears throat> how you flipped some houses and some of them you made some money on and sometimes you lost your shirt. But the whole point of the podcast is for guys like you to talk and tell your story so guys that, like you were 10 years ago, can listen to it and be inspired. So tell us tell us about one of the failures that you had on the way from 2014 to 2016 when you were flipping houses tell us about the time it went wrong yeah so uh, i mean the game the game changes like real estate changes so much it's so fast i mean like so uh you know big thing for like on my team i always say to, to everybody who's on it is like this is going to force you to be your best self because this game moves at such a pace and demands so much of your time it's either going to maul you over or you're going to level up mm -hmm. and, and you know that's for me it's i want to instill in my team that i'm there to help you when leveling up because you know it, it's finding the right mentors early on for me was a big thing because i've never asked for help 
I'm just going to figure this out. And that's how I was for a long time. And I tried to figure it out from 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of pain in there. I mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because we all do the same thing. We all say, you know what, I'll figure it out. I'm going to get this. I'm going to do it right. And yet not one of us ever thinks to reach out and get a mentor and, and get that going, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, in, I think for me, that's really that has like propelled me is I've always taken the action. Always. doesn't matter. Like I'm going to do exactly what I feel I need to do. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm a doer. I only talk about my experiences. I can't touch on anyone else's. Obviously I live my own life. We all live our own lives, but you know, it, it's, you can sit and formulate a plan in real estate for the next 10 years and yeah. not do anything. Yeah. You know, so it's, you need to get out there, lose some money, feel some pain <laughs> and, and keep getting better. Like that's, it's what it is. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You're exactly right. I mean, you, there's so much theory to be had in books, uh, especially on real estate. And I, I fully advise reading and educating yourself before you jump oh, off keep, keep, into keep this. Reading. And yeah, I mean, we, we both still read avidly. Um, but I think what a lot of people get lost in is over reading and over analysis of a situation and the, the risk tolerance of, of being in real estate. What's the biggest clue you've got what's the biggest piece of advice you've got for somebody that's uh just getting started out that's maybe a little over analytical i would take that plan and break it down very microly on how you're gonna break like i always tell people who come to me and they're like hey like what should i do if i get you know want to get started i'm like well you need to set action steps but the key word is action <laughs> you know like you're gonna have to be able to you know essentially do what you say you're gonna do you know, there, there's, you know, yeah, obviously formulate a plan, but make sure that you know the little mini steps on how to get to that goal. You know, okay, if it's, you want to send out your first piece of marketing, great. So today I'm going to call the marketing company, figure out how much it is. And then the next step and the next step, and the next step and the next step. Yeah. Five years from now, you're going to look back and be like, damn, <laughs> I came really far. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel like it um, day to day, does it? It does not no. feel like it, but you can... Uh... No. I forget who it was said people uh, they overestimate what they can do in five months and they, they underestimate what they can do in five years. Um, That's like, that was the craziest thing for me was we fully like first built them two first houses. And I like look back at all like the hardships I've gone through in real estate and how many times I could have quit and how many times I could have said, you know, forget this. I'm just going to go get a day job or mm -hmm. get this. I'm going to just go, you know, go to the union or I'm going to forget this. I could just, it was the most fulfilling moments of my life because, you know, not everything's meant to work out perfectly. Like it's them bumps and them kicks that make you exactly who you want to be and, you know, who you're going to be. Dude, that's that. I got to caption that. That that's, that's the line right there. Not everything's going to work out like you think, but no, it, it still it, doesn't even for us. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the scars that make the stories, man. It's, you know, it's what makes us what we are. Um, but I mean, it's the same thing for us. I made the executive decision in our team to, you know, during COVID we, when lumber prices spiked and we signed 13 houses pre COVID. Um, I just met with my accountant three days ago and he's like, yeah, you guys lost $325,000. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask nobody for a penny because I'm playing for the long game. Like I know I'm going to win, but like, it's just, are we, what's more important, the instantaneous money or us building a real legitimate brand 
And I learned back when I first went to sell them specs that brand means everything. Yeah, and your name, your reputation, it, yeah. it all hinges it on that. everything. I tell you what I saw first time in my career is lumber addendums started getting added to real estate deals. Um, you know, if we contract someone and the house isn't going to be finished for nine months, they want to they want to amend the contract to, to hit that lumber price at market rate when they buy it. So, uh, yeah, so there's a so the, the difficult part behind that with us was the loans were already closed. Yeah. So when the loans are closed, you can't get no more money. Mm -hmm. So it's either you have two options. You go to the homeowner and say, hey, I need an extra thirty five grand. And they're going to probably say, hey, don't have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to say, OK. So I'm either going to see you in court and this is how it's going to play out. And you're going to bash me to everybody or I'm going to finish this house for whatever money's still left in it and give you a great product and, and, and play for the future. And there's that name, there's that reputation. And know? that's what I decided, you know, we decided, you know, the owners to, to do and we felt that was the right thing to do because, I mean, we're so vulnerable right now because, you know, we're, we're new, we're, we're, we are pushing into the marketplace. People know who we are now. Mm -hmm. um, our brand is very organic. We have a large following here in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I was not about to approach all 13 of our clients that are early on in our, in our careers yeah. and say, Hey, I need a lot of money from you. <laughs> when they already took a big risk by building a custom home with a company that doesn't have a 20 year track record. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, that, that track record's going to improve year after year after yep. year and your reputation will pick up. And, you know, you, you're doing the right thing, mate. You, you've got to treat people how you would want to be treated. That's, um, that's one of our core values. I, I love core values. Um, you got them in front of you? I do. They're on the wall outside. It's too loud. <laughs> we do have them on the wall, though. It is. Maybe we can share core values on yep. another podcast. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, I, I love that you run your company uh, a very similar to I do, <clears throat> only probably more profitably. But um, that's <laughs> that's a story for another day. So tell me what is in the future for uh, Brian Bursick and Hemlock Holmes, man. What's your yeah, plan? Yeah. So, I mean, right now our office space is about two thousand square feet. Um, we're looking to build our own um, showroom offices in the next 18 months. We are, our three-year goal is to hit 25 million gross. Um, we are going to do probably between seven and 8 million this year. Oh, nice, uh, nice. So, you know, we're, we also run a full remodeling company too, Interior. So, you know, we have two facets to our business and we're just looking to attach some different arms to it to keep, um, you know, bringing in more revenue. That's interesting. I didn't know you had a, a a remodel company as well. How well does that integrate with the home building? You'll end up really tripping well because it does really well because we're able to control the quality of finishes, and then I'm also able to handle warranty on a faster pace than most people. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because you can just go grab some guys off of that. Yeah, we're just trying. We're really trying to provide the highest customer service that we possibly can. Okay. Okay. No, I like that, and uh, definitely building up that name building up that reputation man. every day I, like uh, we're staying consistent posts on facebook same thing like you know between the apex guys and all that stuff really preaching like you know i had to really get on that that organic following tell me a little bit about how your organic following has um worked with the home building stuff because we have a lot of uh insurance agents building follow-ins and real estate guys building follow-ins but we don't really have any home builders that have built the mm -hmm. kind of organic following how does how does that work for you well i'm gonna be honest with you it started by all the people that doubted me 
for sure. <laughs> it really did. I mean, like, but I love that kind of stuff because like, you know, like I had, even when I was younger, like I had, you know, I, I had some problems with alcohol and stuff when I was a kid and like I quit drinking at 23 and everyone was like, you can't do it. You're not going to do that. I'm still sober 11 and a half years later. So dude, congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. But, um, you know, it was whenever I transitioned from flipping into home building and I like told people, I'm like, yeah, we're going to build houses now. They're like, yeah, okay, sure. And then we like, <laughs> we, we, like built our first house and they're like, Ooh, we did build a house. Now it's, you know, every day. And now we're building 15 houses at a time. So it, it began of like, just basically kind of like, you know, Hey, I told you, told you, but you know, but I also comes down to when I had that acquisitions job, I really reached out and like, you know, was able to make a lot of connections and a lot of friendships. Mm -hmm. So I was really plugged in there in the real estate world. And it, it was able for easy for me to take over and like branch out to them. Like, Hey, this is not my home building company. Cause they know who I am as a person. So it's like, Oh, like, okay, cool. You know, now they're like, you know, okay, the quality is really there. And then these guys are really starting to change the game. So, you know, and it's like I said, there's just nobody that's around my age in the home building industry. Ah, so but you're the you're probably the only home builder that's active on social media. Correct, like very active. So you, got, you got some virgin territory there, some blue water, mate, yeah. to to push on into. Yeah. It's a it's it really is like a basically a pond, but no, you know, there's no other sharks in it. <laughs> I like that. I like that analogy. I like it. So, are you one of these like morning guys that gets up, goes running, and does all that stuff? What does your morning routine look like as a uh, as a successful entrepreneur uh i just finished 75 hard yesterday oh congratulations dude yeah, that is yeah. that is hard that very is, that is very yeah, yeah, hard yeah. Oh, yeah. like i mean last like out like that force average was real rough last night at, at 9 30 p.m because i usually do my second workout in the evening when it's mm -hmm. totally quiet i don't take my phone with me like my time is my time it's able for me to decompress but my day starts at 4 30 in the morning um, and this is all in my calendar now, you know, uh, really, you got, you got that maybe, too, huh? Yeah. Maybe plan my day out really. So it's four 30, wake up four 45 to 5. AM meditation, 5. AM to 5. 15, brush my teeth, get ready, leave at the gym, 5. 30 home at 6. 45 shower till seven read from seven to seven 45, um, prep for my day, eat some breakfast between eight and eight 15, then to the office. And then my day is structured after that would you listen to that guys that is how to win the day right there he's already got everything done that he needs to do before he even steps i try and have half of work. my i try and have half of my 75 day workout done before i leave for work yeah, that's perfect man. and then it's just then it's just diet and in that evening workout which i look forward to because it's peace and quiet do we have we have such similar morning routines um but i think you find that success leaves clues and if you want to be um, successful and in shape, you just find people that are successful and in shape and copy what they're doing, right? Yeah. I've never been a – this is full transparency to anybody and anybody starting out. I am not a creative guy. I am not by any means. I just look at, I look at other people, how they're winning and what they're doing, and I implement the same stuff. That's all it is, and I put action to it. Like, I'm still not used to getting up early. Um, no, I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I tell you what I was I was talking about the other day I focus on how I feel when I'm done when I'm 
like, because the morning I go for a walk or a run, and when I'm coming back down the street, I've turned the last corner, my house is at the end of the street, I'm coming back down it, and I'm just walking, I'm starting to cool down, starting to feel good, and i got a big old smile on my face, because that's done, it's out the way, and I've got a feeling of accomplishment. And, you know, some mornings I get up about 4.30, other times I hit snooze and I get up at 4.50, I have a, a lie in some well, mornings. I, I do the same exact thing. <laughs> but, sure. you know, by the time I leave, I leave the house at um, seven, uh, sorry, 6.25 every day. Uh, but by the time I've got my exercise in and done all that, it feels like I've already won for the day. I think that's probably one of the most important things is I don't like the feeling of getting up. I'll never get used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning. But... You know. Every day my alarm goes off at four thirty, and I'm. It, it's, there's that initial first thirty seconds where you're like, just shut it off, dude. Just yeah. shut it. Off. You don't <laughs> like. What's the point? I think we live in the same damn life. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I feel the same way. But man, once once I'm once I'm vertical, like actually standing up and get yeah. my get my shorts on and get my my tennis shoes on and stuff, you know, thing. I I'm always glad that I've done it. I always feel great. And then if I sleep in. I feel awful. I feel guilty. Uh, that I, bitch voice in the back of my head's like, why? Yeah. Why? Nobody's you like, you know, it's in the back nobody, of my head like, you won. The bitch no, voice won. Nobody's watching. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> nobody will know. Nobody will know if I cut this corner. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, but you all know. Yeah. But know. I mean, it's for me, like, I get the hardest workout of the day in first. So I do CrossFit six days a week. And I, I mean, I go super hard at, at 530 in the morning. Like, I'm, I need to release that you know that energy out of me because i mean as an entrepreneur i mean you're 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 handling serious stress i mean oh, yeah. uh, especially if you're starting a new business like i don't care what anyone says like your first five years ten years however i mean you're gonna have but whenever you're like really scaling a company you are you're gonna hit roadblocks like you never ever imagined in your life oh no doubt and then you start scaling financially and you're just <clears throat> dumping more and more money in and all of a sudden of dollars at this point. you know you look and I remember back when I was starting, you'd have a fifteen hundred dollar problem, and now you turn around, all of a sudden they're fifty thousand dollar problems, and you're just like, "Well, shit, there we go." Um, so I yeah, get I mean, it, we're man. at the point now, like if I don't bring in six hundred thousand a month, we don't stay afloat. Yeah, well, shit, you better get you better get to it, man. <laughs> that's uh, that's a that's a big one to uh, to crack. So I won't keep you, I won't keep you too much longer, man. I I really won't, um, man. I need to uh, I need to close out with just a few more questions though. Um, no, one of them that I've been asking recently that I wanted to cover with you, and we touched really briefly on it. Um, can you share any good books that you've read recently? Also, I mean, obviously, I support all the guys in Apex. So yes. I mean, I've read, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I read Unfuck Your Day, Unfuck Your Business, amazing. It, mm -hmm. it was you know Thomas Keenan's book, amazing. I mean, it, it really you know again even after we had that hiring and firing session, like those core value stuff. That's something I've done. 25% of the way for five years. And we, I came back from that and really implemented that. Um, it makes a huge difference, man. Huge, huge, huge difference. Um, the G code, fantastic book. Um, I'm on, I listened to the hardcore loser of Ryan Stuman as well. Um, right now I'm on social media marketing by him too, which is dude, that is, there is gold mines in that thing. I've got this it's, one in my, I got, I got this one. I got the M3 in my pile right now that I'm reading. 
we can read yeah. that the, the thing but my, my apex book stack keeps growing and i'm not oh, getting, I, that's I'm not why getting, i haven't gotten anyone else's stuff it fast every, enough, week, every week it's there's a new guy putting on another book i'm like oh, i gotta order it you know yeah yeah i'm the same way man but i mean i way. also so i'll read in the morning and then i'll do audible in the evening but i mean for me it's i always gravitate back to a, a couple so it's jocko's extreme ownership which mm -hmm. is huge for me in the audible i need to re-listen to that over and over and then David Goggins, um, it, that book is just mind blowing. It's just, dude, it, when I feel like I'm having a bad day or I can't push myself far enough, I listen to that. And I'm like, you are the weakest human being I've ever met. <laughs> like, listen to this guy's story. That's, that's how he makes me feel, man. That's how yeah. he makes me feel. Dude just runs and runs and runs. He's like the, the I mean, real life Forrest Gump. I mean, he's just the most, it's, those guys are super elite and you're yeah. just like, okay, I can, I can push further than what I'm doing. Maybe not, you know, hundred mile endurance races, but I can make another mile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can go another mile, dude. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I've, I'm really big on the, I hate, I did not like reading at all until 75 hard. And I'll tell you what, I, I it's a part of my day now. That's, that's strange. Cause you know, I my reading came and went. I was always an avid reader in school, but it was uh, it was the first time I I stepped into seventy five hard this time last year um, that I really started to pick up on the books again and make reading a a, a part of my day, and it still is. Um, I set aside time every morning to get at least five or six pages in, ten if I'm not busy, if there's no one around. Um, but I can't advocate um, I can't advocate reading enough. So uh, yeah. It's, it is going to be, I mean, if you pick the right books and you stay in the right circle, I mean, and you really, you will take some serious nuggets out of all these books. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's one of them things where, you know, I, I can't say enough about how much readings changed my perspective on business and life and discipline and, and, and doing things that I didn't want to do, you know. I totally understand. I was just making a note of that. <laughs> that timing right there anyway um damn it brian it's about time to wrap this up buddy um it's been a complete pleasure talking to you and hearing about your history and hearing about how hemlock holmes came to be man and the future for that company looks uh looks exceedingly bright my friend yeah, so appreciate well done appreciate you so much for having me on dude before we get off of here please um because I, I, for one, I'm definitely going to go and uh, look up your business page and give it a follow. But uh, tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, where they can find your company online. Yeah, so we're, we're really, really heavy on Facebook. So you can find us at Hemlock Homes on Facebook. We do have Hemlock Home Building on Instagram, but our Facebook is, you know, primarily where all of our business lays. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, myself, Brian Bursick at on Facebook as well. You'll see all of our stuff on there. Um, but yeah, Hemlock, Hemlock Homes on Facebook is where you can find us. And we'll throw links to those in the show notes. So, guys, that was uh, Brian Bursick, Apex member and co-founder of Hemlock Homes. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks, Sam. Guys, as always, if you've gotten anything out of this show, uh, do me a favor. Do Brian a favor. Run on over. Follow his uh, social media links and uh, follow the show. Subscribe, like it, share it. Do all that good stuff. It just helps get the word out and helps other people find the show so we can uh, we can maybe teach them a thing or two as well all right that's it from us a huge thanks again to brian and we will see you guys on friday with this week's episode of friday fire you'll be good and stay safe
This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.